Welcome. Today's reading, 365 for January the 15th. We're going to be reading Genesis 31, 17 to 32, 12. Let's go with our study first, our commentary. Jacob made it a habit to do more than was expected of him. When his flocks were attacked, he took the losses rather than splitting them with Laban. He worked hard even after several pay cuts. His diligence eventually paid off. His flock began to multiply. Making a habit of doing more than expected can build a sort of character that succeeds. Jesus doesn't just want us to pursue justice, but to practice grace. See Matthew 5, 41. It pleases God, earns recognition and advancement, and enhances your reputation. It also builds others' confidence in you, gives you more experience and knowledge, and develops your spiritual maturity. Whom can you go above and beyond for today? Amen. And the scripture that comes to mind is that we work for the Lord. Even though individuals that are born again, and others, we demonstrate the goodness of God. We work for the Lord. Who knows? Maybe our actions have influenced a lot of people. We don't even know. <clears throat> we just did it and grudged. Oh, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for giving us this day. Thank you for the breath of air. Thank you for the way, the truth, and the life that's in Jesus Christ, Lord. Thank you for choosing us from the foundations of the earth to come and represent you as the light of the world. We thank you for our family members, our enemies, that they, everyone may be happy, healthy, prosperous, <clears throat> and sing songs. And dance a little, too. And rejoice. Amen. So Jacob put his wife and children on camels, and he drove all his livestock in front of him. He packed all his belongings he had acquired in Padam Aram and set out to the land of Canaan, where his father Isaac lived. At that time, they left Laban with some distance away, shearing his sheep. Rachel stole her father's household idols and took them with her. Jacob outwitted Laban, the Armenian, for they set out secretly and never told Laban they were leaving. So Jacob took all his possessions with him and crossed the Euphrates River, heading for the hill country of Gilead. Three days later, Laban was told that Jacob had fled, so he gathered a group of his relatives and set out in hot pursuit. He caught up with Jacob seven days later in the hill country of Gilead. But the previous night, God had appeared to Laban, the Armenian, in a dream and told him, I warned you, leave Jacob alone. Laban caught up with Jacob as he was camped in the hill country of Gilead, and he set up his camp not far from Jacob's. What do you mean by deceiving me like this, Laban demanded. How dare you drag my daughters away like prisoners of war? Why did you slip away secretly? Why did you deceive me, and why didn't you say you wanted to leave? I would have given you a farewell feast with singing and music, accompanied by tambourines and harps. Why didn't you let me kiss my daughters and grandchildren and tell them goodbye? You have acted very foolishly. I could destroy you, but the God of your father appeared to me last night and warned me, leave Jacob alone. I can understand your feeling that you must go and your intense longing for your father's home, but why have you stolen my gods? 
I rushed away because I was afraid, Jacob answered. I thought you would take your daughters from me by force. But as for your God, see if I can, you can find him. And let the person who has taken them die. And if you find anything else that belongs to you, identify it before all these relatives of ours, and I will give it back. But Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the household idols. Laban went first into Jacob's tent to search there, into, then into Leah's, and then in the tent of the two servant wives. But he found no, nothing. Finally, he went into Rachel's tent. But Rachel had taken the household idols and hidden them in her camel saddle. And now she was sitting on them. When Laban had thoroughly searched her tent without finding them, she said to her father, Please, sir, forgive me if I don't get up for you. I'm having my monthly period. So Laban continued his search, but he could not find the household idols. Then Jacob became very angry, and he challenged Laban. What's my crime? he demanded. What have I done to make you chase after me as though I were a criminal? You have rummaged through everything I own. Now show me what you found that belongs to you. Set it out here in front of us before our relatives for all to see. Let them judge between us. For 20 years I have been with you, caring for your flocks. In all these times, your sheep and goats never miscarriage. In all these years, I never used a single ram of food, of yours for food. If any were attacked and killed by wild animals, I never showed you the carcasses and asked you to reduce the count of your flock. No, I took the loss myself. You made me pay for every stolen animal, whether it was taken in broad daylight or in the dark at night. I work for you through the scorching heat of the day and through cold and sleepless nights. Yes, for 20 years I slaved in your house. I work for 14 years earning your two daughters and then six more years for your flock. And you charge my wages 10 times. You change my wages. In fact, if the God of my father had not been on my side, the God of Abraham and the fearsome God of Isaac, you would have sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen your abuse and my hard work. That is why he appeared to you last night and rebuked you. Then Laban replied to Jacob, These women are my daughters, these children are my grandchildren, and these flocks are my flocks. In fact, everything you see is mine. But what can I do now about my daughter and their children? So come, let's make a covenant, you and I, and it will be a witness to our commitment. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a monument. Then he told his family members, gather some stones. So they gathered stones and piled them in heaps. Then Jacob and Laban sat down beside the pile of stones to eat a covenant meal. The event commemorate the event Laban called the place Jagar Sahaduta, which means witness pile in Aramic. Aramic. And Jacob called it Galid, which means witness pile in Hebrew. Then Laban declared, This pile of stones will stand as a witness to remind us of the covenant we have made today. This explains why it was called Galid, witness pile, but it was also called Mizpah, which means watchtower. For Laban said, May the Lord keep watch between us to make sure that we keep their, this covenant when we are out of each other's sight. If you meet mistreat my daughters or if you marry otherwise god will see it even if no one else does he is a witness to this covenant between us see this pile of stones laban continue 
and see this monument I have set between us? They stand between us as a witness of our vows. I will never pass this pile of stones to harm you, and you must never pass these stones or these monuments to harm me. I call on the God of our ancestors, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of my grandfather Nahor to serve as a judge between us. So Jacob took an oath before the fearsome God of his father Isaac to respect the boundary lines. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice to God there on the mountain and invited everyone to a covenant feast. After they had eaten, they spent the night on the mountain. Laban got up early the next morning and he kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. Then he left and returned home. As Jacob started on his way again, angels of God came to meet him. When Jacob saw them, he explained, This is God's camp. So he named the place Mahanaim. Then Jacob sent messengers ahead to his brother Esau, who was living in the region of Seir in the land of Edom. He told them, Give this message to my master Esau. Humble greetings from your servant Jacob. Until now I have been living with Uncle Laban, and now I own donkeys and cattle, flocks, sheep, goats, and many servants, both men and women. I have sent these messengers to inform my Lord of my coming, hoping that you will be friendly to me. After delivering the message, the messengers returned to Jacob and reported, We met your brother Esau, and he is already on his way to meet you with an army of 400 men. Jacob was terrified of the news. Wow, he divided his household along with the flocks and herds and camels into two groups. He thought, if Esau meets one group, he'll attack it. Perhaps the other group can escape. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my grandfather Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, you told me, return to your own land and to your own relatives. And you promised me I will treat you kindly. I am not worthy of the unfailing love and faithfulness you have shown me, your servant, when I left home and crossed the Jordan River. I own nothing except a walking stick. Now my household fills two large camps. O Lord, please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau. I am afraid that he is coming to attack me, along with my wives and children. But you promised me, I will surely treat you kindly, and I will multiply your descendants until they become as numerous as the sands along the seashore. Too many to count. Amen. We got something interesting right here on, uh, on Genesis 31, 45 to 55. It's personal boundaries. <clears throat> Talk a little bit about Jacob and Laban and their situation. We continue to take personal inventory, and when we're wrong, promptly admitting it. This is uh, step 10, one of my favorite steps. We all have particular weaknesses, and it is often helpful to establish personal boundary lines to support these weaker areas. We may need to clearly define our commitments to others. We may need to to agree on certain limitations in order to maintain peace. Once the boundaries have been established, honesty is needed to maintain them. An assessment of our honesty in keeping our commitments needs to be a regular part of the everyday life. 
Jacob and his father-in-law Laban had some conflicts. As they were working them out, they entered into an agreement by drawing a clear defined boundary line and setting up a monument to remind them of that commitment. May the Lord keep watch between us and make sure that we keep this covenant when we are out of reach of each other's sight. See the piles of stone, Laban continued, and see this monument I have set between us. They stand between us as witnesses of our vows. So Jacob took an oath before the fearsome God of his father Isaac to respect the boundary line. Restoring truth in our relationship is part of our recovery. To do this, we should define our expectations and enter cautiously into commitments. We are not merely responsible for what the other person knows about. We are personally responsible for our own honesty. Before the watchful eyes of God, these relational commitments are not to be entered into lightly. But when we make them, they must be vigilantly maintained. Amen. And one of the commitments that we have is we each grow spiritually at different levels and we each have a God to to ask, to complain to, to ask things for, to praise, and to have a constant communion and open counsel with Him. You know, we always talk about what is the first line of defense when a problem, a situation, or a need arises. And the first line of defense is Praise the Lord. Take five minutes to praise the Lord for the situation and to acknowledge Him in all our ways. If we're missing a phone, missing a car, missing your wallet, someone owes me money, anything that comes up, we always run it through the, uh, the remarkable line of defense, the first line of defense. So that's the principle that we have and we remind each other, you know, the principles that of the program is uh, we take you at face value that you're you're growing, you're sober, and all things are well. We treat ourselves in AA in the twelve with a lot of respect, and we understand what our boundary lines are. Amen. I always call it the happiest place on earth is to be in a meeting. All right, moving right along, we're going to be reading a little Matthew chapter 10 uh, from 24 to 11, verse 6. And let's go ahead and read the, the Bible study first. It says, Jesus did not come to bring the kind of peace that glosses over deep division for the sake of superficial harmony. Conflict and disagreements will arise between those who choose to follow Christ and those who don't. Jesus' way of living contradicts a life full of sin. Jesus will not make peace with sin. He will root it out. Sin doesn't just create conflict with God. Sin is in conflict with itself as well. But there is no conflict within Jesus' way of living. We can look forward to the day when Jesus will fulfill and finally remove sin, resolve conflict, and bring peace. Amen. It brings to mind at one time where I was talking to these people that were going door to door. And they were trying to show me in the Bible that uh, Jesus and the fathers, they were in conflict. And I said, boy, man, I heard of everything now. And I, I bid them goodbye. I don't want to listen to that. You know, they're, 
first of all, they started complaining about the conflict at the earth and the mismanagement of the funds that God was doing with the earth. <laughs> and uh, try to bring fear as for attention so they can have my devotion. So I said, no, I'm too far gone. I know too much. I'm in love with Jesus. Bye-bye. And that's what happened. Okay, Matthew 10, 24 starts out. Students are not greater than their teacher, and slaves are not greater than their masters. Students are to be like their teachers, and slaves are to be like their masters. And since I, Jesus, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, the members of my household will be called by even worse names. But don't be afraid of those who threaten you, for the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed, and all that is secret will be made known to all. What I tell you now in the darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. When I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill you, kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Wow. What is the price of two sparrows, one copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Everyone who acknowledged me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Anyone who receives you receives me. And anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. If you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. And if you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of these least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all these things the Messiah was doing, so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or shall we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told them, Go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the dead hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. Wow. Amen. 
I wanted to point out something here. Um, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your sons or daughters more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross to follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. You know, all it takes is an hour of reading the Word of God, and that's picking up your cross and stay, keeping your sword sharp. So if God sends anybody in front of you, you are well saturated with the Word of God in your heart. And so you'll be able to talk to people easily. Okay, let's see what the Commentary Bible says about this chapter, please. On chapter... 10 to 11, verse 6. Let's see. It says, Those of us living for God and pursuing recovery may feel like sheep in the presence of wolves. But when wisdom and honesty define our behavior and relationships, we can face the inedible misunderstanding and persecutions. Jesus suffered much at the hands of God is godless men. <clears throat> Those who are committed to him often receive similar treatment. <clears throat> if we persevere in following God, God's will for us, we will receive a great reward in heaven. The only way to find life and get control of it is to submit to God through Jesus Christ. When we live for ourselves, we become slaves to material success, work, alcohol, illicit sex, or any number of other destructive behaviors. We have lost control of our lives and, and are in trouble. By returning to Jesus, we allow him to free us of our addictions and show us the way to real life, a life free of destructive dependencies. As we obey God, we will find meaning in our present life and eternal peace with God. Amen. I wanted to say something about those who love their children more than they love me, their love father and mother. Amen. I got a little revelation here. And uh, the idea is that, that a child has love for the dad. They have natural love for you. And you have natural love for them. But you're, when we're born again, we use that natural love that belongs to God and increase it. And we keep on our eyes on Jesus with that love just like I'm doing with you right now, taking time to enjoy these readings, knowing that a lot of you, uh, my love for the Lord is expressed in my love for reading and enjoying this time we have together and making sure I spend time with you. I don't know if I got that across, but let me put it this way. Everyone should be beaming with love. And that love is regenerated when we keep our eyes on Jesus. So we're thankful for our loved ones, and they can feel that love. If we keep our eyes on Jesus and picking up our cross, we'll have enough love for them. We don't rest our love on them. We rest our true love on the Lord, and they're an appreciation. The more we appreciate things, the more they will glow. I hope that helps. I'm sure there's plenty of other commentaries that talk about that. Amen. Let's move on. The only way to find life and get control of it is to submit to God through Jesus Christ. Okay, we read that. 
Doubting is a troubling reality for those of us in recovery. We doubt ourselves and we doubt others. Even John the Baptist doubted that Jesus was the promised Messiah, the one who would come to offer physical and spiritual healing to his people. Jesus answered John's doubt by pointing to his miraculous healings and restorations. Such an impressive resume should also convince us that Jesus is willing to be able to meet our greatest need for recovery and restoration. It's really interesting how strong Jesus gave an answer to that, you know, and he really delivered it home uh, very, very strongly. He said, um, he said, Jesus told him, go back to John, watch Tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised from life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. That's an interesting one. In other words, you're following the Father God and the Messiah you don't think he's the Messiah, so you even turn away from God too. You turn away from him. God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. There's probably, amen. You know, the Messiah didn't come the way they wanted it or something in that nature. Amen and amen. Praise God to the highest. Okay, let's go ahead and keep on. Praying the Psalms, Psalm 13, we resolve to trust God to respond at the right time. Lord, we praise you and we thank you. We glorify you. We thank you for all our challenges. We thank you for all our situations. We glory in you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you will act and respond at the right time, at your timing, Lord. We just thank you for this situation, whatever is going on in our lives. We thank you for it. We give you the praise and the glory that you are God. You are our friend. All power belongs unto our master, Jesus Christ. All the power belongs unto our friend, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All power belongs unto our teacher, our Lord Jesus Christ. We give you all the glory and honor this time together we have. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Psalm 13. O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eye, or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, We have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Amen. Proverbs 3, 16, 18. She, wisdom, offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful path. All her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Now remember, we 
We trust in the unfailing love of the Lord. We rejoice because he has rescued us. We sing to the Lord because he is good to us. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for coming today. The blessings of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Go in peace.